appreciate the good singing and the good playing. Uh, that ought to be our earnest desire that the Lord would not pass us by. You lost sinner, if you're here today, you ought to be crying out. Do not pass me by. Uh, the Bible does teach uh, that we are to seek the Lord in the days and the time that He may be found. And call upon Him while He is near. That's what Isaiah says, chapter 55. Uh, that, that, that leads me to believe there will be a time that He will not be found and He will not be near. Or else He wouldn't tell you to call upon Him while He is. And so today, if He is near and dealing with your heart, uh, you need to make your way down to the altar or at your seat, wherever, and begin to call upon the Lord. You don't need to wait till uh, we're through and having a song service. You need to do it immediately. Um, and if He's not dealing with you, I'd begin to just pray that He would. And, uh, and we serve a gracious God. I, um, the problem is, um, I do believe that as long as, as, long as a, a breath is in the body, there is a hope for that individual to be saved. I absolutely believe that. The problem tends to be when you keep neglecting it and pushing it off. Because eventually what will happen, you will get to the point where, where your heart will get so hardened you will no longer desire to be saved. That's what happens. It's not that God will not save you when you call upon Him. It's that there will come a time you will no longer desire to call upon Him for salvation. And so that's why we say it's a dangerous thing. Uh, the Bible does say it's a dangerous thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Uh, the psalmist, I believe it was David, um, wrote one time and he said, Lord, cause me to know my days. Show me how weak and frail that I am. And by saying that, he says, we've just got a finite and limited time here in this life. And to you that are lost, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're wasting it in danger. You're living in danger of eternal damnation. And for those of us who have been saved, if we're not actively working for the Lord, we're wasting the life that He's given us down here. So, uh, so we need to be uh, faithful uh, to serving. The Bible says, especially as you see the last day approaching. I don't know about you. I can see that last day approaching. Amen. And so, um, anything on your heart before we read some Scripture? Uh, if you have your Bibles and want to read along, it's good to have you here. Glad that all of you are here. Glad that our visitors are here. Um, turn to Hosea chapter number 2. It's a lot of reading today. Um, and you bear with us. I've um, talking to the Lord this week and it seems like it's not been that long since I preached on this. Um, but nevertheless, I found not to question the Almighty. Um, and, and so I know we get it in our minds sometimes that, that, uh, um, that you can't preach the same thing over and over, but there's, the book's only so big, uh, and there's an endless supply of messages in there, but at the same time, we, all we know to do is follow the Spirit. And so um, it'll be needful for, for somebody here, no doubt. Hosea chapter number 2. Um, and it says, Say you unto your brethren, uh, Amah, and to your sisters, Ruhamah, Plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. 
Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow her after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. Uh, and she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof. And I will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she hath said, These are my rewards that my lovers hath given me. And I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them." And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with earrings and jewels, and she went after her lovers and forgot me, saith the Lord. That sounds pretty bleak, uh, but now listen to how things change. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Bailey. For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven, and the creeping things of the ground, and I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth, and I will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment, in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people. And they shall say, Thou art my God. Then said the Lord unto me, Go, yet love a woman. Beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and left flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for fifteen pieces of silver, and for an homer um, of barley, and half a homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. In thinking 
and trying to pray about um, what to preach this week, uh, this story just kept coming to my heart. Uh, and and um, as I said, it's not been that long since we preached it, but I, uh, I was just thinking this week, and, and uh, if you read the first part of that, there's a lot of controversy uh, of opinions uh, when it comes to Hosea and his life, Gomer. Uh, but all I can tell you is what the Bible says, uh, that, that God had told Hosea uh, to go and take a wife of whoredoms. And, and, and you can make of that what you will. Uh, but, uh, but it was a picture of how God was dealing with Israel and with Judah. Uh, and in that it's a picture uh, of how He uh, deals with individual men today. Uh, but he, he says to go and take a wife that's a harlot or a whore. And, and he did. And, and I believe he was good to her and faithful to her. And I believe he loved her. But over the course of time, uh, just as Israel and Judah uh, rebelled against the Lord that was uh, uh, he was their husband in the Old Testament. Uh, and so Hosea's wife did what she does. Uh, uh, she played the harlot uh, and she played the whore. Uh, and the Bible said that they had three children and they named those three children based on the relationship uh, that Israel had with God and that he had with them. And it was said at the end of the at the end of the first chapter that uh, that uh, that these people uh, are not my people, and I've thought about that this week uh, as we thought about those that uh, that were actively seeking the Lord last week. Uh, I thought how sad it is for uh, for uh, for anybody to have to hear that uh, that you are not my people. But uh, but I want to make one thing uh, perfectly clear with you this morning: if you've never been saved by grace. You are not one of His. And that's awfully sad to my soul. I think about it. Sister Janet made mention of the urgency or the lack thereof. We seem to be missing out on that that we have. And I mentioned just now that we have such a finite period of time that we're dealing with and when you get to think that most of your life you're either working or sleeping that leaves a very very limited amount of time that you have to be a witness. Her brother Ronnie testified about his friend while ago there's an old song that we used to sing that says you never mentioned him to me. I think about how many times we let people pass from this life and go off into the next without telling them about a God that loved them and was so good to them. That's what, that's what his wife didn't realize. A lost sinner, you don't realize it now. But God has been awfully good to you. He's given you an opportunity. And that's all that a man can ask. It's just for an opportunity. You give a man an opportunity and then let him do what he will with it. Now you have the opportunity this morning to serve the Lord. He's presented that to you. I made mention a while ago. I can't imagine growing up and not not darkening the door of the house of God. I can't imagine what my life would be like. But I can tell you this, that, that, that men today may think uh, that they're big. Uh, men might think that they've done all manner of things for themselves. I've heard it said he lifted himself up by his own bootstraps. Uh, and there is some merit in that. 
hard work uh, will get you to a lot of places. But there is one thing uh, you cannot do. Uh, God is the one that gave you the ability to do what you do. Don't you ever forget that. He gave you the mind to work and the hands to work and the legs to work and He gave you an opportunity to prove yourself. And what you did with that opportunity, that's up to you. And so it is that He gives man an opportunity while we're on this side of eternity uh, to prepare for a time when we shall depart. And that's all you can ask for is that opportunity. Uh, but, but, uh, but Gomer, the wife of Hosea, uh, didn't realize that he was providing her all the things that she had. And she would go out and waste it. Uh, and he said she didn't know uh, that it was me that gave her all of these things. Uh, and he said, I'm going to speak pretty harsh with her now. And he said, she, uh, that they are not my people. And I thought how the Scripture says uh, there's a place in Jeremiah, I think it's chapter number 9, and it said the harvest is ended and the summer is past and we're not saved. Now think about how, how many revivals have come and gone in your life. How many have you actually been to and still you're not saved? Oh, that grieves my soul this morning. It grieves this pastor's heart to think of me, of my flock, not being His people. You don't know. You don't know the, the joy you're missing out on and the danger that you're facing. But nevertheless, He speaks sort of harsh with her. But then He changes about midway through the second chapter. And He said, here's what I will do. He tells His children to go and plead with your mother at the first of chapter 2. He said, plead with her as she's not my wife. And so it's incumbent upon God's people to plead with God God on behalf of men and to plead with men on behalf of God. I have to plead with Him and I plead with you this morning if you're lost. Don't leave this house today lost. As Sister Jolinda testified about her grandson. They said it took him three hours but he got it. I'm telling you, don't you be satisfied until you've got it. Amen. Don't you stop short. There are countless people who probably have stopped short just short of salvation. And don't you dare do it. Don't you dare. Don't you dare get satisfied. I know people might tell you, well, do you feel better? Oh, that's a dangerous thing in my opinion to ask somebody that. Listen, just because they feel a little better don't mean they got it. But when they got it, they'll know it. Now the devil will try to confuse them. I understand all of that. I understand how he works. But there is a spirit in the born again believer that will rise up and take you to the time and place where God spoke peace to you. If he's never done that, I'd say you ain't done it. If he has done that, I would beg you to trust it. To trust him. To trust him. You see, I want you to know today. He is one you can absolutely trust. Now, it was told, I told him Sunday school this morning as Brother Danny read. Uh, he read about wisdom uh, and he has been reading in Proverbs this, uh, uh, this month so far. Uh, to heed not to that own understanding. Now, let me tell you something if you've not figured it out. Most people will tell you today, follow your heart, listen to your heart, uh, uh, what do you feel? I will, let me be honest. There is a feeling with salvation 
But you cannot always trust those feelings. You cannot, cannot always trust your heart. Why do you say that, preacher? I didn't say that. And the Word of God says that. It says the heart is above all things. Desperately wicked. And who can know it? So you can't always. But John tells us in his epistle, God is greater than your heart and knoweth all things. And so you see, uh, see, uh, you can't, uh, you, uh, I don't know how else to say it, but when He saves you, you'll know it. And if you don't know it, you better be finding out. And that's where a lot of people are today. That's where a lot of you are today, if I'm being honest. And you're being honest with yourself that you don't know. And it don't seem you're trying to find out, isn't it important to us? That you need to know. That you need to know. There, there are very few things that you need to know. I mean really know in this life. But that is it. That's one of them. It's the thing you need to know. I know I'm not going to hell. I know I was saved on an altar one night. As I was standing up. I know that beyond a doubt. Because God told me that. And he revealed that. And, and there was a change that came in. And my nature, I was changed from nature to grace. I don't have any doubts about that this morning. But see, see, he said, plead with her because she's not mine. Oh, oh, children today, I want to plead with you if you're not his. You would understand the wrath. It's not necessarily the wrath here, but it's the wrath that is to come. We were talking in Sunday school about Noah and how that Noah preached. And the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. I don't have any doubts. We're not told in the Bible. But I don't have any doubts that men and women came from all around. I mean miles around. I just see this great thing that Noah was building. But probably very few ever got saved. We know that that only eight uh, we're saved from the flood. Uh, but I want you to understand today uh, that door that was in the side of the ark, uh, it was big enough for an elephant to go through. And it was small enough for the smallest little creature. I want you to understand today, he said what I read there, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. For the valley of Achor was for the sin of the children of Israel. Because of the sin that happened in the valley of Achor, a man and his family were stoned to death and they died on the spot because they sinned. He said, but I'm going to make you a door of hope. Now that door in the ark, if man didn't enter in by that, he would not be saved. I have news for you today. Jesus Christ is the ark. He said, I am the door. If you don't enter in through Him, you'll not be saved. Amen. I understand the world thinks that's dogmatic, and I guess it is. It's the absolute truth. He is the ark. There is no salvation in anybody else. So I guess my question is this. And my statement rather is this. If you don't, Repent and believe and trust Him. Where else can you go? You can't. There is nowhere else. 
And Wednesday night we were talking in Hebrews that if it were possible for a man to fall away and sin again, it would be impossible to renew him because then Jesus would have to come back and he would have had to die a second time. You see, it's not possible that a man that's been saved should ever fall away from the state of grace. It's possible that mankind sins, but never sinning to lose the salvation. That's impossible. Amen. Because Christ came once and He died. And if that death, burial, and resurrection ain't good enough to save you, there is nothing else. There is nothing else this side of heaven that is able to save you but Him. But listen to what He said. He said, plead with her. And then it says, I'm going to speak comfortably to her. I'm going to allure her. Now see, that's where the Spirit comes in. I can remember one night. You see, there's a Scripture in Romans chapter 9. A lot of people have... It references this. But it talks about in Romans chapter 9. And Paul's dealing with election. And Paul's dealing with a little bit of predestination. And a little bit of foreknowledge of God. But you see what he was saying there. He was saying that, that, that God, because He is God, He has a right. He has a right to have mercy on him who will have mercy. And Paul references the Scripture that before either men were born, so it couldn't be by their works, he said, I've chose Jacob. Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. He said, when Rebekah brought forth her children, before they did any works, I chose that the elder shall serve the younger. Amen. And you might say, I've got a problem with that. Well, you can take that up with God. I'm just saying what His Word says. But you see, you see that that predestination goes so far. And that's because God knows God knows who it is that will repent. So don't you get mixed up in that. I understand there's a big movement and has been for a lot of years about the elect. You want to know who the elect are? Those who repent and believe. And so God gives all men that opportunity. And so that's what Paul was saying. That, but, 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 but really, if I think about it, you know what? It's not, it's not nearly as a big thing to, to know that God said, uh, Esau have I hated. The most remarkable part in that statement is Jacob have I loved. You understand what I mean by that? How could a holy God love a dog like this? That's the most remarkable part. But that's where the Spirit comes in. He said, I will allure her. He says later in chapter 11, with cords of love and bands of men, I draw thee. And so I think about the night that I got saved. How God can love. How when I tell you, I know I was young, but when I tell you, I was a guilty sinner. I mean, I was guilty. And you think, how? There's a song Tim sings sometimes uh, talking about when mercy walks in. And so it says in that song, uh, how, could I, uh, how could this be that someone so guilty has just been set free? Do you understand what that's like this morning? That God could love a wretch. And so Hosea loved Gomer. He loved his wife. I believe she was the apple of his eye. He was good to her. You might think, how? How can a man be good to a wife that treats him like she treated him? Because he loved her, that's why. Amen. 
And so how can God be so good to a sinner like me and to a sinner like you? That's all we are, folks. We're just sinners. The only difference is those that have been saved were not legally guilty in His sight. When the charges are read, we will have no doubt and no reason and no excuse but to say, yes, sir, Your Honor, I did everything that You charged me with. Everything. You've got the records kept. But there was one who took my place. There was one who bore my shame. There was one who bore my sins. And if you punish him, you cannot punish me. That's grace. And so when Hosea was there talking with God, and and probably part of him at least uh, thought, I just need to make an end to this. Uh, I've tried it. And this marriage just didn't work. You know what God said? Hosea, go yet love one. Well, I've thought of that this week. Go and love them. I'm telling you that God has been so good to me. I've not always been faithful. And I wonder sometimes, imagine what Hosea and Gomer must have felt. And the Bible said, he said, I found her and I bought her unto me. That's what I wanted to get to. And I've wasted too much time. She was bought with a bride. And she was his from there on out. I want you to understand that. I mean, really get a hold of that. We were bought with a price. If you, church, save people, I'm speaking to you now. If you were bought with a price, have been according to Paul, you are not your own. Which means you do not have the right to do as you please. I'm sorry, but you don't. And neither do I. Because I've been paid for and purchased by the blood of the Son of God. And now I'm His. And so, but you know what the great thing is? If you've truly been born again, your desire will line up with His. And so it is that we are married. Church, you are the bride of Christ. I read there uh, that he said, I'm going to present her. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians, uh, one day I'll be presented along with you that are the bride. I uh, will be presented as a glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle. But I think back to the time God showed up in places I never expected to find Him. At least He has in my life. And the night that I got saved, I I really didn't go looking for Him, but that was the Spirit that said, I will allure. I will draw. I Once I saw the goodness of God and I saw the sinfulness of me, I understood that I had but one hope and that hope was in the blood. That was all the hope. That's all the hope you need. It will answer everything. My hope is in the blood. And if the blood's not... We've we've talked for a few years about the efficacy of these immunizations, and I'm not going to get into that debate, but the studies are out. I want you to know the efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ is able to save whosoever will. There is no dilution whatsoever in that blood. It's pure. 
It's holy. And it was shed for you. And it was shed for me. And I've been bought by that price. So he showed up in places I never expected to see him. Gomer found herself. It reads like an auction for slaves. In chapter number 3. And I can't imagine what must have been going through her mind. She probably saw that as she was there waiting to be ransomed, waiting to be bought, waiting to be sold, wondering who it is that was going to buy her, wondering, wondering how bad he was going to mistreat her. But the really sad thing is she knew down in her heart of hearts she deserved it all. I knew what I deserved when I was lost. I know that. I knew I was no good. But she lifted up her eyes and what did she see? She saw, she saw Hosea. And she probably thought he's come to life, come to make fun, come to tell me everything that I had done wrong, that I deserve what I'm about to get. But he came for a different reason. She was speechless, could hardly believe it. How when the bids began to go, and his hand raised, and he bought her unto him. I'm telling you something right now. Don't you ever think, don't you ever think God's not for you. He has purchased his church with his own blood. And now, what did Hosea say? He said, he said, uh, uh, Gomer, as uh, she no doubt, uh, uh, there's a song by the Crabs family uh, that says he said, I've come to take you home. No doubt that's what he said. And no doubt in her mind, uh, she was thinking how sorry I've been, uh, how worthless I've been, uh, that uh, why would he feel this way about me? Oh, sinner friend, God loves you today. He does. What did Hosea say? When he bought her, he said, So I bought her to me for fifteen shekels of silver, and for a homer of barley, and for half a homer of barley. And then he says, You are going to come home, and the past is going to be the past, and you are now a new creature. Amen. I'm telling you, when God saves you, He does it right. And so, how do you know? Then, how do you know? If you can't trust your heart, and you can't always trust your feelings. There are some things in feelings you can trust. I'm just saying sometimes we get too dependent on what I feel. And what I feel. And that takes faith out of the picture. And so God wants us to come by faith. But I promise you today, you might think you're the sorriest thing. And you're not wrong. You're not. And I wasn't wrong. I'm still the sorriest thing. But I have a legal good standing before God. And not because of my righteousness, but because of His on the cross of Calvary. And when God looks at me in judgment, He will see the blood of His Son covering my soul by faith. And so, I'm in good legal standing. That's what we mean. You might not even know what we mean when we say you need to be right with God. What is being right with God? It means being just. It means being judged and being found faithful. So how can you know that? Well, there is a Spirit that will bear witness. It will. You're not going to be in the Spirit all the time. But there is a Spirit that will lead you into all the truth. And one of those truths is, have I been saved? Amen. 
You can ask. I can't tell you. There's no magical scanner like when we check a temperature. I can't scan your forehead and tell you if you're lost or saved. But you know what? The Bible says that God has put a seal in the forehead for the hand of all of His. They have been sealed. That mark is there. What is that mark? It's the blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the mark. And so a believer will be led by that Spirit into the right truth. The Holy Spirit, listen, I'm done. The Holy Spirit will not, cannot, will, should not ever lead you into an error. Otherwise, you'd be able to stand in judgment and say, Lord, the Spirit told me I was saved. And I, you can't say that because He will never do that to you. Not ever. So if, if He's told you and you know that there's been that change, you need to say something. You need to leave. You've got such a limited time to work for the Lord. He loves you this morning. He bought you with His own blood. Washed you from your sins in His own blood. All you had to do was ask and repent and believe. He's made it so easy. We, we muddy the water. We complicate. I'm not preaching an easy believism. But I mean the plan of salvation is easy enough that a little child is able to understand. <laughs> and so that's all He asks you to do. Come. Come and repent. What must I do to be saved? Repent and believe is what the Bible says. Repentance toward God in faith and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Has He bought you? If He has, you're one of His. And you need to start... We don't talk about living right, living holy. But if He's bought you, you're His. You belong to Him. So when He tells you to do something, you need to do it. You've got to do it. Because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. That's our message if you want to come and get a song together. I'd ask you to search your heart. Is He drawing you? Is He alluring you? Is He drawing you with bands of men and cords of love? He'll buy you today with His own blood. If you'll just come to Him, believing, believing He will save you to the uttermost. You could go home today a completely different person than you've ever been before in your life. It's two thirty nine.